Hey there, this is Brittany with She's Dressed for the Narrow Gate. I'm grateful that you are here. Thank you for listening. I have actually not recorded in a few weeks because I actually had surgery. And I was thinking to myself, it the time seems to have went by so fast. It's just all of the busyness and preparation before Christmas, as I'm sure you all are just walking through the same thing. It's Christmas Eve today and I don't know where December went, but then you know how like also before a trip or a surgery, you've got to clean a house and just get everything together amongst working. So it just, it didn't happen. And then with my uh, recovery period, and I really honestly am trying to do better because my husband said it to me and it hit me like, you know what, you're you're probably right. And it's like, yeah, you're right about my disobedience to follow rules. And I'm not I'm not the type of nurse that's like the bad patient to because you're trying to tell everybody what to do. I mean, I will interject if there's an issue, but honestly, I had great care, great staff, and I didn't have any problems. I try to actually go the opposite because it really carries you in that 12-hour shift when you have a a patient who is just appreciative, you know? Like, yeah, so I try to be that patient if if at all possible. So I'm not bad from that standpoint, but I'm the bad nurse because I'm a nurse because I like trying to bend rules. So I'm like, you know, I try to change the recovery rules. Like, you know, I mean, I can really drive before two weeks, you know, like, or the, the 10 pound requirement, they really mean like 15, 20. So I'm just getting on everybody's nerves. And, and honestly, my body is like, okay, you're done. Have a seat. So I'm being obedient now. But then when my husband said, how are you telling your kids to follow rules and you don't? And it was like, Ooh, that's, that's, that's actually accurate. So I'm, I'm doing better to just, you know, be, be respectful. Obviously, they wrote it down for a reason. So, but what we're going to talk about today is giants and these issues that are just insurmountable, seem um, impossible to to walk through to deal with. And where this came from for me was just, do you know when you're sitting still, how you really just have your thoughts? And for me, I'm sure a lot of families, but for me. It's no small thing about mental health. Um, mental health does run in my family. And I I would say probably late high school, early college, beginning years of college, it really hit me to an awareness of it. And then as I started to mature and got you know later into my, my 20s and, and I started to understand uh, through discipleship just about holding thoughts captive and like, okay, you know, I can have these issues and I, I I have to deal with I have to deal with it um, sometimes both physically um, but also just through counseling even and you know and that's why I just advocate counseling just even from just a check-in you know every few months it just helps to kind of help you get those thoughts out and to really hash through that but for me I just it's like when you come ag- come against something and then the frustration turns to sadness. So I have to, again, just me personally, I have to be very proactive to catch that thought and to handle it and to submit it to the Lord and to be honest and truthful with how I feel 
and and to deal with that. So one of the the many issues is just in this very moment, this very real time is we're trying to uh, completely potty train my seven-year-old who is pee trained but not poop trained. And you know, seven-year-old poop is not like the cute breast milk poop of a little baby. So it is just like real imperative over here. And I think because I've just been so busy, I haven't had to stare at it. I haven't had to look at it. It's just been like, okay, clean, let's go. But now in front of my, in just my absence of moving and just the absence of busyness is my thoughts. And I was really frustrated. I'm just very frustrated. I'm very, it just seems like this is never going to happen, like at all. This is, this is a very difficult task in terms of he's seven, but just in the, his understanding being so much different chrono- from his chronological age. And then, um, just all of that. So that's kind of where this helped me. And I'm still walking through holding these thoughts captive. I'm still walking through this, what this high hurdle is what I also say, this high hurdle that it's like you run up to it with full power and energy. I'm going to get over it. And then you stop because it's like, I can't, it's too big. It's too hard. So I don't know what that looks like for you. If that's a thought pattern, if that's a thought pattern, if that's a behavioral habit that needs to stop, if that's a child that you're dealing with that is very difficult in this season, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you're like, I'm not living one more day next to you at all, breathing anywhere near my neck. Or it's your job that is just, you can't tolerate it anymore. Or it's mistreatment from a boss. I don't think that this, I don't see how it's possible for you to have, to not have some level of a giant. Again, it may be internal, maybe your thought life, or it may be just coming at you from outside of you. So it's just so applicable. But just to kind of give some backdrop, we're going to, we're going to be in um, a couple areas. Numbers uh, 13 is where we're going to start. But just to give some backdrop, so you've got the Israelites who left Egypt. God um, saved them from Egypt. Moses took them through the Red Sea saved them from the Egyptians and from their decades, centuries of, of slavery. So they went through and they were in this wilderness with what should have been an 11-day journey and turned into 40 years because of their disobedience. I personally just raise my hand up and say, I have an Israelite issue. It's just one of my bents. And I'm, I'm Again, another thought that I have to hold captive, but I used to judge them. And now it's like, mm, I don't think you really should because you actually have a lot of their tendencies. But they, their disobedience, God got so tired of them. First off, he was trying to take them out many times. And Moses is like, Lord, remember you love them. Remember you said your promise that you're, and then he's so forgiving and, and he's so patient and kind with them. But he had them on this journey because he was sending them to a land filled with milk and honey. And he orchestrated this 11-day journey to protect them, but they began to, to complain and to grumble. And he was like, okay, you're, you're done. So you have to wander around for 40 years. So most of you die off. And the only people left are the ones who are going to be 20 and under. And in that group is who I'm going to talk about with Caleb and Joshua as these spies who go out 
ahead to spy out the land. And you know, when I first read this, I actually thought that the spy out little journey was out of their doubt because they asked Moses, we should actually send a couple guys, you know, to go out and make sure it's safe. Because you know how sometimes you try to even spiritualize your fear where it's like, that's just wise. You just try to use the word wisdom or that's very discerning. And it might be, but I thought it was just doubt. And even if that is their true motive of doubt, I actually was was grateful that the Holy Spirit showed me, illuminated that this was actually God's plan the whole time. So there's, it's like, okay, this is actually providential as well. But Numbers 13, that's kind of the backdrop here. So they're on this spy out mission, uh, mission. So Numbers 13, starting in verse one, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites for each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So right there, boom, God's like, I'm actually doing this in verse three. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. And it goes on to list, there's the 12 tribes, which are all the sons of Jacob and um, one of the patriarchs. So you've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then these, the tribes are Jacob's 12 sons. So as I was looking, I was like, where is Joshua? So in verse six is, is Caleb. He comes from the tribe of Judah. And in verse seven from, I'm sorry, in verse eight from Ephraim is Hosea, son of Nun. But actually, if you scroll down to verse 16, it says right here, these are the names of men, the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what it is. He just has a different name. But so it's Caleb and Joshua. Out of those 12, you've got these two guys who are choosing to be faithful to really walk in the calling, the appointing, the assignment that God has given them. Regardless if everybody else is in agreement, regardless if they're fearful, I'm sure somewhere they were fearful. It doesn't say, but I'm sure they probably have to be at least a little bit, but they're choosing their faith. And I think about uh, Hebrews 11, where Paul is saying that, in 11.6 specifically, that isn't impo- it is impossible to please God without faith because you have to first believe that he is who he is, right? And that really makes sense. And that's why Paul then goes on to make that account of all of these faith things, of all these, how can you believe that Noah got literally built an ark <laughs> and the whole world died? except for who was in that ark. How can you believe that Daniel survived the, the, the lion's den? How can you believe that the earth was formed in six days? How can you believe these things? How can you believe God is who he is without faith? So it is impossible to believe without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. But where that application is for today is, do you still believe God? So it's easy to kind of believe for somebody else, or it's easy to believe like hindsight, like, oh, they should have believed. But what about then right now? So if you can look, if you are looking at your life right now in 20 years, and you'll look back and say, man, oh, I wish I would have fill in the blank, right? Don't you do that? I do that like all of the time. I literally have made my whole life different. I have literally been like, oh, I would have done this. I would have done this. And it's like, okay, but in that very moment, you didn't. 
right? You, you didn't see that. So you've got these other 10 men who are in what they can only see. It's like they are their own high hurdle, their thought process. They don't believe. And you've got the two, Caleb and Joshua, who are not. So the same chapter, Numbers 13, but now verse 27. They gave Moses this account because they went there and they were spying out the land for this amount of days and weeks. And they even brought back fruit to to not only give an account, but to show an actual product of the land. So they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Verse 30, we'll skip 29. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly do it. We can certainly do it. But the men, so this is the other 10, not the two. This is the other 10. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And this, you know, this bad report, this scary report basically spread amongst the amongst the Israelites. And then they ended up, you know, going into chapter 14, rebelling against this whole plan. And, and God is like, I'm done. Just, I, I can't with the Israelites, Moses. They do not believe me. And I'm tired of them. I'm take them out. And again, Moses saves them. He's the whole, you know, advocate kind of for them. It's like, no, no, remember, we don't want to kill them. You know, your fame, your glory. We don't want the people to hear about how you slaughtered them in the wilderness. So now numbers 14, uh, Verse 17, now may the Lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared. The Lord, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for their sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations. So it's like, listen, this is actually a big deal. Not even walking in faith, you can't even get ahead to what God is trying to do or move to you. But then, you know, there's obedience is always going to be the safest place for you. Walking in God's will for you is always the safest place. Even if he's doing or telling you to go somewhere that you're like, I can't do that. I can't. There, there is no way. But God is like, trust me, believe me. Even in verse, even in chapter 14, if you go back to verse 11, it says, the Lord says to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I wonder, I wonder what God is saying. How long are you not going to believe me? How long, how many times do I have to show you that I am going to, I've got you. I am going to come through. Even if I'm pulling you through some mess and some muck and with some very difficult people, even in your, the four walls of your house, how much, how many, you know, he's like, I mean, just listen, I've got you. Trust me, believe me. Now, if you're in some sin and some disobedience, that's a whole other level. We, we got to talk about that on the side. But if you're walking faithfully like a Caleb and a Joshua, if you're choosing to believe God in spite then man, what can come against you? And I just think about how, you know, when I think about, it seems crazy to do this. It seems impossible. Like this doesn't even make sense or this is too difficult or it's been failing. We've been failing for 81 times. 
Like it's not going to work. So whatever in the natural, whatever in my strength, within my vision, within my experience, that doesn't seem to add up or make sense. That does not mean you can't do it with God. That just means you can't do it by you. So it, it, I wonder then how much am I getting in the way? So I'm just assuming that I can't do it just because I can't do it. Like literally, I can't do it anymore or it's, or it's not working. I'm trying. So I, I think about with my job, just this whole, it's past nine years now of trying to move past bedside nursing. And honestly, I love caring for people, helping people, encouraging. I, I love that. That's actually one of my spiritual gifts. But I've been wanting to do something different with my nursing career. And, and my story is long, not even get into it. But I've been trying literally for almost a decade. And again, I have been through so many. It's just workshops, knowing people, knowing the people, other people. And it's God is like, I'm I'm not. Just stop asking. Have a seat. Have a seat. I'm not opening that door. I don't care if you know the the CEO. <laughs> You're not going to get this job. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating because it's like 14 years ago, you could not tell me that this would be what I'm still doing. Yet I'm doing it. And not out of a lack of trying. Or as I'm sitting here trying to, you know, Gabriel's got help from our, from, he's in therapy. He's in a, in a private autistic school, what we're doing here at home. Why does this not work for you to go poop in the toilet? Like I'm seriously, it it is just, I'm over it. Right. And that is just, it, it seems so small, but it's, it's so frustrating. It's like, I'm banging my head on the wall and I'm just getting so frustrated with the whole process. And then it's like, it hit me that, Brittany, just give it to me. Let me help you as you're trying to carry this weight of, of this massive situation because I care about you. I talked about it before that part of my um, growth with God over, over this last decade is just even knowing that God cares about those small things that seem small. Like he is running the world, but he does care about me. So much that he knows the hairs on my head. He knows every thought I have, every worry, every fear. So if he knows it, then why am I not submitting it to him? So, you know, whether it's a season of, of greatness for you or, or if it's not, I just believe that God has orchestrated. He, he has caused or allowed what you're walking through. So he knows what you're up against. And he is going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. So what I last want to read is um, flip, skip Leviticus, go backwards, skip Leviticus and, and get into Exodus. Exodus 23, verse 20. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I will wipe them out. So I wonder if that's part of the frustration <laughs> for, for God is like, I'm sending you there. It don't even matter what you think. I'm sending you into this land. I've created this for you. 
So when I think about this season of, okay, well, if this is what I have to deal with, if this is what is just never the door that's just not going to open right now, then how do I flourish here? Because if he assigned me, if he appointed me this, this task of being a special needs mom, if this is what he assigned me to do, then he is surely going to provide for me in every way. And even if it's not Gabriel figuring out how to poop in the toilet for five more years, he is going to provide me with peace and with joy and with contentment. Or he's going to, at some point, you know, allow the door to open and and for Gabriel to figure it out. How can I flourish at work? Okay, this is not what I planned. This is not what I wanted. But this is surely where God has me. So the prayer is, okay, Lord, if this is where you have me, if this is, if this is the husband that I chose, that maybe I would not have chose when, before we got married, if this is the, the, situ, the, the house I moved in, the neighborhood I moved in, if this is uh, the parent that I didn't think I was going to have to take care of, you name the, the hurdle, the high hurdle, you name the giant. Let's not look at that giant because remember, God doesn't look at the exterior. He looks at the heart for Samuel says. So let's not be caught up in how big that giant is or how insurmountable that that hurdle seems. Let's remember who is sending us because you can do it with God if he assigned you. Because now you have the Holy Spirit empowering you. We, you heard what, she, what we just read in Exodus 23. And Psalm 23, 1 says that the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. So there may be some things that I definitely can tell you I need or I want. But he gives me exactly what I need. And if this is what he's appointed me to do, if this is the situation he has called me to have, then he is going to help me with joy there. I might as well flourish and grow and do his great commission there. And, and I might as well have peace and not a peace that I can just try to make up or just, you know, do a quick uh, selfie and post it. And I'm happy when I'm really not. But true joy, true joy, not because everything is working, but because God is with me in this valley. God is with me in this insurmountable task with this very difficult person that I have to deal with because he'll give you the peace that you need. Every single time that you ask. So let's rely on him, ladies. Let's rely on him. Let's first just confess that we don't. And he'll forgive you. And he's there and he'll hold your hand. But I I definitely just want to wish you a Merry Christmas in this time. um, For those who are affected by this um, horrible virus, whether you've lost a loved one or you're the one who has it, or there's a family member in the hospital, I just want to pray with you as we go through this very difficult um, season, this very difficult time. Um, Dear God, I just pray. um, Thank you so much that we have Christmas to celebrate because you, that that's our rescue plan, the beginning of our rescue plan that you've came to get us So thank you, Jesus, for leaving everything. You love us that much if you have left everything for us. Thank you so much, God, that you're our anchor, that you're our hope, you're our joy. You're my whole life. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray that you just implant peace, implant joy, implant hope, especially in the gaps that this Christmas may 
may have for for whoever's listening that is at a loss in this in this time post covid i just pray for them and jesus just just please hold their hand ladies i love you merry christmas eve have a great day <laughs>